So before we jump into the scriptures, can I share some good news with you? Oh, I don't need to. I mean, if you know, okay. All right. You're kind of like, ah. Maybe you just thought he's going to whether we say yes or not. So, yeah, good news is uh, you're such a generous body. And so uh, I, I imagine you're wondering, from, since Christmas Eve, what was given towards the, the Blind Children's Fund? Yeah, that's next week. Uh, <laughs> it is, seriously. That's, that's next week. What? You want the right number? That's next week. So, uh, <clears throat> But we have some other, because here's what was so encouraging to me. It was not what, just what we were doing as we were preparing for Christmas Eve. Some of you know, as parents, that our children's ministry was seeking, not from mom, hey, give me some money, but our children, from our children's ministry, were seeking to, to raise funds to send kids in Punjab, where our Red to Green initiative is, send them to camp this summer. And so... Uh, we saw pictures of kids selling lemonade, classic, but that's always, it, I love that, taking initiative. Kids selling Christmas ornaments. I don't know if mom knew that they were selling her ornaments, but uh, <laughs> selling Christmas ornaments. And uh, the kids raised over $2,300 to be able to send kids to camp. Now, <laughs> The best part about that is, what that translates in, in India and Punjab is this, that last year, we had, the kids raised about $1,500, and 1,500 kids went to camp. Wow, yeah. So, Lord willing, we'll have over 2,000 kids again, and maybe you'll remember the report. It just wasn't the kids, it was mom and dad were involved in the process, and, and so whole families place faith in Christ through our Punjab camps last year. So really, really grateful for our children's ministry, for Becky Conover, our leader in there, and uh, the generosity there. Our middle school ministry, they also said, well, we want to make an impact on the world. And so their initiative involved a youth group in Ukraine. And one of the things that's distinct about our middle school ministry here is their commitment to teach the scriptures. We have what we call Bible intensives, where for a Friday night and a Saturday, they'll spend like 12 hours studying the scriptures together. Junior, middle schoolers, 12 hours studying the scriptures together. And so they've connected with this group in Ukraine, and they raised... Uh, over $3,500 middle schoolers to send, the middle school ministry to send 25 plus Ukrainian students across a war-torn country to participate in a, not one day, two day, but 10 day Bible intensive. Talking about changing a youth group. So, super cool. And finally, this, I think this is reflective of this story could be told over and over again, but uh, just heard of a young single mom in our body. Uh, her, her dad died over the holidays, and her family group came together and said, hey, we want to help her, we want to bless her. And so they just, as a family group, collected a bunch of funds and blessed her with gift cards to the grocery store uh, during the holidays just to care for her and love on her. And, and it just reminded me, Folks, this is, this is the church as God intended the church to be. 
that, that when we're blessed, what do we do with it? We bless others. And, and, he, and 2 Corinthians says, when we bless others with what he blesses us with, you know what happens? Overflowing thanksgiving to God. That's what happens. Because people who need, what are they doing? They're saying, Lord, we have a need, and they're asking the Lord to provide, and then he does. So they thank the Lord for the provision, and there's few things as joyful as the privilege of being an, an instrument through which the Lord provides for others. So uh, I go back to the three words that ring true in my heart and mind about you, CFC. You are responsive to the Lord, generous with your resources, and helpful to one another and to the people that God has placed around you. So way to go. And may that be the spirit. Would that mark us for 2024? Responsive, helpful, and continue to be generous as unto the Lord. So thank you so much. All right, join me in John 21, if you would. John 21. As we continue in this series of maturing as a Christ follower, uh, we're going to do something unique this morning. We're going to do what I want to call a take a walk talk with Jesus. Now, uh, I'm not assuming that you know exactly what I mean when I say take a walk talk. Maybe some of you go, oh, I know what a take a walk talk is. But let me illustrate this way. When my wife Jackie was a young girl and her father needed to talk with her privately about something important, significant, he would buy her a Coke, the old glass bottle Coke, some peanuts, pour some peanuts in it. That's a Southern thing that I had never heard of. But pour some peanuts in it, and they would take a walk through the woods for the purpose of a, a talk. You see, you get what I'm saying? This is not what you and your spouse or your kids would do every night after dinner. This is, not, this is a unusual kind of unique, we need to have a take a walk talk. Not if you're going, okay, I understand what you mean by a take a walk talk. Not. You don't still understand, Thomas? All right. Okay, yeah, I was just rebellious this morning. I see you. I'm just watching. <laughs> yeah, take a walk talk. This is what we're going to look at. Take a walk talk that, with Jesus. Here's the context of this take a walk talk. Jesus has been crucified, buried, raised from the dead two plus weeks in John 21. He's going to appear to his disciples, but it's not the first time. He has appeared to them multiple times. So that's, what's not, that's not what is unique about this take a walk talk. Uh, they've seen him uh, multiple times raised from the dead. They've talked to him multiple times raised from the dead. What's unique about this is it's no longer in Jerusalem where they had initially seen him raised from the dead. Now they are much further north along the Sea of Galilee. In fact, it seems like this is where, not doesn't seem like, this is where Peter and James and John and Andrew, this is where they had grown up. So they had kind of gone back home. And they're fishing. And this might sound familiar. They were fishing all night and catching nothing. 
And they're about 100 yards offshore, the text says. And a guy who they don't recognize from, because of the distance yells out to them, you haven't caught anything, which is like, uh, when you're a fisherman. Yes, I know. <laughs> Cast on the other side. And they do. And immediately the nets are like full. And the apostle John goes, it's Jesus. <laughs> and Peter, very weirdly, who has uh, stripped off his garments to work, does what you and I would not do. He puts his garments on before he jumps in the water. But he puts his garments on, jumps in, swims to shore, and leaves his buddies. There's seven of them. He's now on shore with Jesus. He leaves the other six to bring the, the boat full of fish. When he gets to shore, he discovers that Jesus already has a fire gone long enough that there's charcoal there. And he's already, though they fished all night and hadn't caught anything, he already has fish on the fire. And when they get the boat in, they discover they have caught 153 large fish. That's quite a catch. And so they have breakfast together along the Sea of Galilee after fishing all night. And after breakfast, there's a, hey, Peter, let's take a, let's take a walk, talk. Join me, John 21, verse 15, 16, and 17. And we get to listen into the walk, talk between Jesus and Peter. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. He, Jesus said to him, tend my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said back to him, shepherd my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Third time, what? Tend my sheep. Now, let me have your eyes for a moment. The take a walk talk continues, but we're going to pause it right here, and in about three weeks, we'll come back and pick up the rest of the talk. But I want us to pause right here and reflect, because this is just not any talk. This is a, we need to, we need to take a walk talk and ask what's going on here because I think four significant issues rise to the surface first as they begin this walk Jesus says hey Peter son of John do you love me and then he says what more than these here's the problem we need the videotape why do we need the videotape? 
because what in the world are these? See, if we had the videotape, it would seem that Jesus must have pointed at something. Do you love me more than? But we read it more than these. Whoa, whoa. Peter doesn't ask him, what do you mean? Which these are you talking about? So I think Peter knew what these he was talking about, but we don't know. Now, people think they know. Some people go, oh, clearly he pointed at what? The fish. He pointed, do you love me more than than these? Why would he point at fish? Why would he, do you love me more than fish? I'm feeling a little insecure. (laughs) Why would he say that? Well, because... Maybe you remember, before he started following Jesus, Peter was a fisherman. And maybe you don't know, but he had followed Jesus for a while, and then he stopped actually following Jesus, and he went back and became a fisherman, and Jesus met him on the boat again, and then he started following again. And then, at his arrest, Peter denies him. Jesus appears to him in Jerusalem multiple times, but now he's back in Galilee fishing. So he may be asking, hey, it seems like it's me and then the fish and then me and then the fish and then me and then the fish. Do you love me more than fish? Other people go, no. He's not pointing at fish. What else could he be pointing at? The other disciples, do you love me more than those guys? Why would he ask him that? (laughs) Well, maybe you don't remember, but the night where Jesus is betrayed, he's with his disciples, and he says, here's what's going to happen. And then he tells them, not only am I going to be betrayed, you guys are going to run scared. And Peter goes, not me. Those, those guys might, not me, I'll die. And within what, hours? I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know who he is. He didn't die. He folded. So he had once said, what, basically? I love them more than they do. I love you more than they do. And now Peter's back. And Jesus is going, hey, you want to take a swing at that pitch again? Do you love me more than these? So which one is it? Well, unless you got the video, we don't know. And here's the good part. Actually, only Peter really needed to know. Because it was a personal question for, for Peter. But here would, would be good for us to know. To what or to whom would Jesus point and ask you? Do you love me more than these? You understand the question? If you are on a take a walk talk with Jesus, what would he point out and ask you? Do you love me more than these? So we're going to do something a little unique. I promise we won't do this every Sunday in 2024. But here's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to to take a few moments and actually answer this question. Like to give you a minute or so to to write what you think. Now you may go, "Uh, I don't write. Well, you don't have to do it every day the rest of your life. Just play along this morning. How about that? 
You don't have to, but I think it'll help if you simply said, let me, let me answer this question. You don't have to write a book. Just to, what or to whom would Jesus point? So there should be a pen or a pencil in the pocket in front of you if you don't have one. Uh, you might have to dig deep and find some other gum wrappers and stuff like that in there. We tried to clean them out, but uh, you love it. And this will help. Some of you are going, uh, I don't test well. <laughs> I go blank. So let me give you a couple options to consider. Maybe he'd point at a person in your life. Maybe he'd point at your spouse. Do you love me more than her? Do you love me more than him or your kids? Do you love me more than them? Do you love me more than your grandkids? Because your kids know that you love the grandkids more than you love them. <laughs> you love me more than uh, our friend? Or maybe he didn't point at a person. Maybe he points at, at an object. You love me more than your money? When you, when you look at your bank accounts every morning, would Jesus go, do you, do you love me more than that? Or what you've accumulated? Or your job? or your image, or your reputation. See, or maybe at a desire. You love me more than safety, or ease, or success, pleasure. Here's the great part about this. There's not really a right answer here. There's just a a real answer. And I think the beauty of this text is, I mean, we know the right answer, right? Yes, Jesus. But we're not going to fool him, so why don't we just be real? This was a good conversation. Jackie, Jackie, I talked to her on the way home Thursday night, and she said, oh, I can't wait to get to home to find out how you answered. <laughs> But most important, before the Lord, I'm going to give you some quiet moments. If you would, just write a word or a sentence or two to this question. To what would Jesus point? It might not be on here. These were just to kick your creative, thoughtful juices going. So take a moment. Concerned about other people reading it, just scribble. All right, let me follow up with, and, uh, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to give some quiet moments. Some of you will be like, I didn't need near that long. And the others of you are like, I just got started. <laughs> but, 
Well, give a, a few moments. Here's what I want us to realize. My answer could be different in 2025. You understand that this is not necessarily a, this is the real answer for the rest of my life. It's a very current question. Right now, truly, what's competing for your love for Jesus? And it may change. But uh, it'll help. It'll help if we are willing to acknowledge honestly before the Lord what competes for our attention and affection that he deserves. You see how that helps? If you recognize what's competing for your attention and affection, then you can make some real change in your life. So do you love me more than these? And what's Peter say? He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. I love you. And it seems a little bit of an awkward conversation as we read it. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. You know all these things. Except, and many of you have heard this before, but that's not really the way it would have happened, the way it happened between Jesus and Peter, because we get the same word every time, do you love, do you love? But the actual, in the original language, so the conversation between Jesus and Peter would have sounded different. They wouldn't have been saying the same thing back to one another. He says, do you love me? Do you agape me? And then Peter says, yes, I phileo you. He doesn't say the same word. See, we read love and love, and they go, well, why would you ask him again? You didn't believe him? It's because they're saying different things. Do you agape? In other words, hey, Peter, do you love me like lay down your life for me, love me? And what's Peter say? Yeah, I, I love you like a brother. So he asked him a second time, Peter, do you love me like lay down your life, love me? And Peter goes, yes, I love you like a brother. <laughs> and then Jesus goes, Peter, do you love me like a brother? See, Jesus changes it to what Peter's been saying the third time. You love me like a brother? Yes, Lord, you know all things. You know, I love you like a brother. Tim, maybe, oh, yeah, I knew all that. But that's a pretty different conversation. Do you love me like lay down your life for me, or do you love me like a brother? What I want us to consider for ourselves is how would you honestly describe your love for the Lord currently? Now, don't, don't write yet. I'm getting, as you learn, I'll give you a moment. But I want you to think about this. Uh, how would you, you honestly describe your current relationship with the Lord? In other words, not, not what it should be. We all know what it should be. But what is it, no, not right, but real. What is it really currently? And, and not what you've made other people think, what you know to be your current relationship 
with the Lord. Because isn't that what Jesus is getting at here? Where are we? <laughs> like, lay down your life. You're, you're like my buddy. Like, lay down your life. Mm, like your buddy. Am I your buddy? Yeah, you're my buddy. See, Peter doesn't actually make it more than what it is. What's the right answer? Yes, Lord, I agape you. But he doesn't give him the right answer. He gives him the, the real answer. So uh, here's some, as I thought about my love for the Lord over the years and how I would describe it in a few words. Here's words that have come to me. See, I didn't have to figure out for you. I just looked at my current, my relationship with the Lord over the years. Sometimes it's been like a roller coaster. Other times it's been like green pastures. In other words, it's all, it's all good. Other times it's felt stuck. Just... I don't really feel like I'm going backward, but I don't really like, you know, it's growing. <laughs> or fogged in. Like, I don't really know. Just blurry. Or, it's mechanical. Going through the motions. I'm checking the boxes. Hey, it's January and I'm in church. <laughs> mechanical or no man it's like pedal to the metal full throttle or it's it's cordial polite or distracted again not right just real and not just real but real right now this has been true from, each one of these has been true in my walk with the Lord. So I think what Jesus is saying to Peter, which is what I want us to consider is, where are you right now with Jesus? You may go, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. That's where I am with him right now. It's just, I'm seeking him, searching him, asking. Take a minute now and just write. Where are you currently with the Lord? All right. Thanks for giving thoughtful consideration. Here's why. Until we acknowledge present reality, it's likely not going to change. 
See, I'll probably stay stuck until I go, I'm stuck, and I don't want to be stuck. There's something that we often don't want to do, and that's to acknowledge, honestly, where we are with the Lord. So the value, this is not a, a, let's all stare at our navel. <laughs> There's a, a purpose that Jesus has in this, let's take a walk talk. I think at the heart is, where are we, Peter? Let's just acknowledge where we are. And it wasn't as much press to be right as it was be real. And when we're real, when we're honest about where we are, I think what happens then is the Lord, by his Holy Spirit, begins to create longing within you. If it's green pastures, what have I been doing? Because I, I want to continue green pastures. And if I'm stuck, why am I stuck? And, and how, did it, how did this become mechanical? If, if that wasn't connected, how did this become mechanical? Or how did I move from like intimacy with the Lord to it's kind of become cordial? You see, acknowledging your present reality is the first step to you actually growing. So I, I hope that this process will help you take this the first step of pursuing uh, greater intimacy uh, with the Lord. So he walks with him. He asks him, do you love me? Uh, we're brothers. You love me? We're brothers. We brothers? And the text says, Peter was grieved because he said to him, very specifically, it, it tells us, because he said to him the third time, right? That's why, that's why he is grieved. The text says he's grieved when he said to him the third time, yeah, it says over verse 17, Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time. Do you love me? Now, typically, as I've heard people talk about this take a walk talk, they'll say, Peter's grieved when he says to him the third time because, and I think many of you will know the, this answer, he's grieved because Peter had said, I don't know him, I don't know him, and then cursed and said, I don't know him that he had denied him three times around the fire while Jesus was on trial. After he had said, I'll die for you, he denies him three times. And it's like Jesus is going, I'm going to ask you three times because you denied me three times. Is that what's happening here? Maybe. <laughs> it could be. Or it could be, now that we understand the language, that it grieved Peter that Jesus went from, hey, do you agape me to you? Do you follow me? Do you love me like a brother? 
that that grieved him, that he was like, I know I should have met you, but uh, I'm tired of saying more than what's real. That thought ever occurred to you? That maybe what's happening here is Peter's like, I've learned my lesson of making bold proclamations about my commitment because I'm not nearly as committed as I say I am. And Jesus knows it. He's grieved. Or (laughs) is he grieved for another reason? See, once again, we just know it's this third time, but what was it about the third time that grieved him? I don't know. But Peter did. Peter knew what was grieving him in the moment. So let me ask, let us ask ourselves. What grieves you about your journey with the Lord? You see what I'm saying? There's something about this process that's causing Peter to ah, grieve. Maybe it was that he had not only denied him three times, maybe it was that, that three times he had started and stopped and started and stopped and started and stopped. Something about his journey. Maybe it is the denial. Maybe it's the changing of the word. Maybe that it's the recognition. I want to be stronger than I actually am. I'm not a promise keeper. Not as committed as my words say. You see? So what's, what grieves you about your journey? To get your thoughts going. Maybe, maybe it's that you got a late start. I often run into people who go, I, I hate that I was so far through my life when I started following Jesus because I just wish I would have known him as a child. Or maybe what grieves you is you realize how many opportunities the Lord has given you to really make a difference. And you chickened out. You shrunk back. Or maybe maybe what grieves you is that that like 95% of your walk with the Lord is good, but but he knows and you know there's this enslaving sin that you try to hide from everybody else. You can't really talk about it, but you know it and he knows it. And it just grieves you that there's just this one area in your life. Or wasted years. You've walked with the Lord for a long time, but been so distracted, haven't been kingdom-minded, 
you look back and think, man, I have wasted a lot of years. Or prideful decisions. You know, you know, prideful decisions in our lives not only impact us, they leave a wake. Think of a boat running through the water in that wake. Prideful decisions cut a wake that just impact others. You may go, I made a prideful decision and my spouse or my kids are still suffering. I'm still suffering because of my pride. It grieves me. Or there's been a controlling fear in your life. Fear of failure, fear of rejection. That's been kind of what determines. And it grieves you that fear is such a controller in your life. All right? Doesn't have to be one of those. See, Stuff like this is easy for me because I just have to look at my life and go, what has grieved me at, over, at times in my life? And just have to write it down. Because it's not right, it's real. Take some quiet seconds. And in this one, you might want to scribble. <laughs> Now let me throw a completely different thought on the table. What if, what if Peter's grieved and Jesus is like, whoa, 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 you've taken this the wrong way. This wasn't intending to be a hang your head, shame you moment. You ever said something and people took it like you were attacking them? You're like, oh, no, no, I wasn't trying to attack you. They misread how you were approaching. Is that possible that that's what's happening here? That Peter is actually grieved and, and Jesus is like, uh, that's not where we were going with this. I actually wasn't asking you a third time to rub your nose in your denials or to make you feel badly about your past. Is it possible that, that actually Jesus is having this conversation with Peter not to remind him of his failures, but to remind Peter of his grace towards him. You see what I'm saying? That Peter is taking this as, oh man, this is grieving me. And Jesus is like, no, 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 this take a walk talk was to remind you how much actually I love you and I am for you. If I had disqualified you, we wouldn't be taking a walk. Is that possible? Oh, folks, actually, 
only, we'll only know in eternity. But I think this take a walk moment is not about shaming, but of showing grace. And here's what's, here's what's, watch this. I hope you're tracking. The things that we often look at in our life and we grieve over, what if we actually saw it from a different perspective and said, how have they actually caused me to experience a greater grace in my life? Instead of being grieved over it, being grateful for God's greater grace. Yeah, it was a late start, but wow, do I experience God's greater grace than if I'd have known it my whole life. The greater grace that though I've missed opportunities, he still gives me opportunities. The greater, a greater grace in enslaving sin, yes, a greater grace that he has not forsaken me or abandoned me. And a greater grace that he still promises the Spirit can give victory. And a greater grace that will rob us of our judgmentalism of other people and their sin struggles. See, I think Peter came at it from, this is grieving me. And actually, I want to ask you a completely different question. Of the very thing that grieves you, how have you experienced God's greater grace in it? That's fantastic in my opinion. This is when you get to smile and write. Not, not be grieved and write, but to, wow. God has, hey, the, the controlling fear, me personally, the controlling fear has been my greatest regret and my experience of God's greatest grace. They're both the same for me. Have you experienced grace over what you grieve over, actually? Maybe that one's harder for you to write down. If it is... I, I hope, hope, hope that you will not go forward thinking about what grieves you. I th hope you'll go forward asking, how have I experienced God's grace in this? How has he continued to show me he loves me? Now again, if you think, I don't know, Doug, I think you're I think you're stretching here. Really? Let me ask you this. Why after each time that Peter answers, well, like a brother, like a brother, like a brother, like a brother, well, what's Jesus say each time? Tend my sheep, feed my sheep, 
each time Jesus says to him, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. In other words, what's he saying to Jesus? Excuse me, what's Jesus saying to him? Your failure has not disqualified you. I haven't put you on the shelf. Oh, but I denied you. I know that. See, you know all things. That's right. You know, I know all things. Feed my sheep. That's fantastic. Well, you and I are so works-oriented at heart that we tend to really think we get what we deserve. And Jesus says, let's take a walk. And I have one goal in this walk. You don't get what you deserve. Because I'm gracious. Yes, you started, stopped, started, stopped, started, stopped. Yes, you're presently fishing. You love me? Feed my sheep. I... because you know, maybe you don't know, think about this. You know Peter is thinking, oh, well, Jesus, what about that whole here, the keys to the kingdom stuff? Is that like off the table? Wouldn't you want to know that? I'd want to know that. Are those things that you said to me earlier, is that, is that like over? Did I like get that thrown in the trash? And he's gone. In case you're wondering. It's still right here. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. See, I think this is so grace-filled. In spite of past failure and current immaturity, don't don't be offended by that. (laughs) Who in here has past failure? Yes, Who in here is still not into the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ? Who of us still have room to grow? Yes. So in spite of a bunch of failing slackers, (laughs) and I'm the one on the stage, in spite of the failing slacker, what do you think God has given you to do in this kingdom? What's... What's on the table, if you will? They hadn't taken off. That's grace. What do you think God's called you to do? Because I, 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 think, I think sometimes God puts things in our heart. God has put things in our heart. And then because of our failures, we take off the table what Jesus intends to keep on the table. And it's because our hearts are works-oriented to the core. See, I love that we did. I love that we did an elder ordination here this morning. Because Peter... I was the, an elder of <laughs> the church in Jerusalem. And he charges other elders 
He's invited. (laughs) Yeah, you've gone back. Come back. Yeah, you went back. Come back. Now, if you hated this this morning, like, Doug, this old writing stuff, you need to never do that again. Uh, Good news. We're not going to do that next week. Now, I did have a lady Thursday night. It was like, this is my first time, and I'm actually really mad. We're not doing that again next week. Here's the good news. What I said to her, well, actually, you can do it tomorrow. See, I actually hope you've learned today a process of how you might interact with the Scriptures personally. Just don't read, just don't rush through, but to go, because it's to reveal Jesus and to grow our relationship with him. And sometimes we get stuck. Well, what's he talking about, Peter? I don't know. And then we argue about stuff that we don't have any reason to argue about. We just ought to ask it for ourselves. So our our band's going to lead us in a song of just declaring our Christ is our reward but I want us to just bow quietly together if you would just thank thank the Lord for what you saw in the scriptures this morning for how you were able to interact Whether you wrote or didn't write, just thank the Lord for how you were able to interact. And would you tell him, thank you for your pursuit of me, Jesus. Thanks for even wanting to take a walk with me. And more than anything, thank him for grace in your life how you have experienced his grace. Lord, as we thank you for that, I'm just reminded even as I just did that, and I'm gonna need a lot in the coming year. As I remain a work in progress, So let's invite the Lord to be givers of grace as we've received grace. Quick to forgive. Quick to acknowledge. We've all failed. Quick to welcome people back. Quick to be honest with the Lord. Lord, we look forward to all that you have for us. We want to we walk with you each and every day. Thanks for that invitation. Let's stand together and sing.
to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. I love, I love singing that song and declaring that together, but maybe like myself, you grew up singing, I have decided to follow Jesus. That change was intentional. We are deciding each and every day, each and every moment to turn away from the sins that weigh us down and towards the glory of our Savior Jesus. God bless you guys. It's been a joy to be with you. Don't leave without prayer. We have prayer available just outside north and south. Uh, God bless you guys. Have a great day.